With respect to crisis management and emergency response, being able to include all of your team, regardless of their location in that planning, development, and execution, I believe is really a key success factor. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by John Brooker. John is a Director of Industrial Security for L3 Harris Space and Airborne Systems Segment, where he is responsible for crisis management and local security operations. Hey, John, how are you? Hi, Peter. I am doing very well. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. It's really good to have you on the show. I look forward to our conversation and our topic of how L3 Harris cultivates preparedness during organizational change. And I know you guys went through a very big change not too long ago. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and career before you arrived at your current position? I think it's pretty pertinent. Oh, sure. Well, I spent 20 years on active duty with the U.S. Air Force in security police, security forces. In that time, I was exposed to a wide variety of security disciplines and operations that include weapon system security, anti-terrorism force protection, installation defense, acquisition security, and even a little presidential security. Some of the positions I held include security forces squadron commander, chief of security forces inspections for Air Force Material Command, and the chief program security for the B-2 system program office. When I joined Harris, now L3 Harris, I started out as a contractor program security officer in support of classified programs for one of our intelligence community customers. And then I moved into various management roles with another one of those Intel customers. In the last three years, I've been working special projects, developing policy and procedure. In the last year or so, focusing more specifically on crisis management. Last month, I became the director of crisis management for my segment, Space and Airborne Systems. Well, congratulations on that, and thank you for the details. I think that definitely helps set the context. But one other thing I'd like you to do, L3 Harris is not necessarily a household brand name that many people recognize. So for those who may not be familiar, can you give us an overview of the company and the products and services it provides? Yeah, sure. So L3 Harris is a global aerospace and defense technology innovator focused on delivering solutions that meet our customers' most critical needs. This includes providing advanced defense and commercial technologies across multiple domains, air, land, sea, space, cyber. Our largest customers are various departments and agencies of the U.S. government and their prime contractors. The company has approximately $18 billion in annual revenue and about 48,000 employees with customers in more than 100 countries. We're headquartered in Melbourne, Florida, and the company's organizational structure features four operating business segments. And as I mentioned, I'm part of the Space and Airborne Systems segment, which includes space payloads, sensors, and full mission solutions, classified intelligence and cyber defense, avionics, and electronic warfare. Quite an organization. You guys do a lot. 
<laughs> Indeed. Now, some of our audience members may be wondering, kind of like I do, what industrial security means. So can you maybe describe that and tell us what it entails for you and your team? Definitely. The term industrial security specifically refers to corporate security operations that support the U.S. National Industrial Security Program, or the NISP. Now, the NISP was created in 1993 by executive order to just make sure that U.S. defense companies were able to safeguard classified information that was in their possession while they were performing work under contracts or research and development programs. The NISP has various sub-disciplines that include personnel security, which is all about managing security clearances, physical security, which is the building and maintaining of secure workspaces, and cybersecurity, which most people are familiar with that term. It's building and maintaining security information systems, all in support of classified programs. Okay, fantastic. And as you kind of think back over the last year or two or three, what are some of the biggest challenges that you and your team have faced? Well, as you mentioned, we did uh, have a rather large merger two years ago. L3 Technologies and Harris Corporation merged to form L3 Harris. And like many, perhaps every organization on the planet, we had to deal with all of the challenges that were associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. And in my part of the world, the most pressing of those was managing the remote workforce. So obviously in a merger, we've got a whole lot of things we're trying to do as a merged, a newly merged company. Now we had to do it with half the crew, half the workforce physically not present. Wow. And so, yeah, so I really need to give our IT organizations a shout out because I think they did a phenomenal job of upgrading our infrastructure in a relatively short period of time to support remote collaboration tools that we knew we were going to need going forward, such as Zoom. So the next biggest challenge, at least at my level in the organization, was really trying to understand who all of our new teammates were, where did they work, what part of the business did they support, and so forth. And so the maximum use of those collaboration tools that we just mentioned really helped us to solidify those new connections. And I also believe that those tools are going to continue to be of importance to us going forward, including collaborating with the more geographically distant business units that we would normally not interact with on a face-to-face basis, even under normal conditions. So with respect to crisis management and emergency response, being able to include all of your team, regardless of their location in that planning, development, and execution, I believe is really a key success factor. Yeah, without a doubt, especially in the emergency management business when nothing ever goes according to plan and you have to be able to do things on the fly with people who you may not normally work with who aren't normally near you. So that's that's fantastic. As you look back on things over the last year or two, as you went through this process, what do you believe worked really well for you in terms of solving for some of these challenges? Specifically in the planning process, I think is where we really had to focus. And so what we we ended up doing was reviewing all of our existing plans and our procedures with respect to crisis management. And then and under that review, we selected what you might call the, the best in class and incorporated them into a unified plan template. And this turned out to be a huge time and energy saver as, for example, some of our smaller sites that may not have had robust crisis management plans, they didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. In addition, our corporate leadership also had the foresight to, on a company-wide basis, implement an emergency mass communication platform fairly early in the merger process. But you may have heard of it, called Alert Media. 
<laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and I really think this was an important step for us developing cross-site, cross-functional communication that we believe is absolutely critical to successful crisis management. Well, from a, a crisis management perspective, what are the most common events or incidents or emergencies that you and your team plan for? Well, I will tell you from a frequency of occurrence standpoint, weather events, hurricanes, snowstorms, or other natural events like wildfires or earthquakes are certainly a high priority for us because we deal with them on a more regular basis, especially in Florida and along the Atlantic coast. We deal with hurricanes every year. In terms of what of the possible, what could actually happen, active threat events are of a high concern for us. And as most of your listeners know, they are very challenging to prepare and to plan for. Yeah, it's just you have to be able to respond. So it's all about just doing work to kind of get the muscle memory there. So when whatever pops up, pops up, you're able to address it. You don't freeze like a deer in the headlights. Absolutely. Well, what are some of the programs or initiatives that you're currently working on to enhance preparedness for those types of events? Well, specifically talking about the active threat response, about two years ago, we wanted to focus on that event. So we created a standalone active threat response plan template because we really believe that obviously execution is so dependent on a, a well-constructed plan. So we created this template. We distributed it to all of our sites so they could focus on that event. In the last year and a half, as I mentioned, we created and dis disseminated a standardized crisis management plan, more robust, that not only meets all of our corporate security policy requirements, but provides some consistency across our segment between our sites. Most of our sites have transitioned their existing plans into that new format, and they include other emergency events, fire, medical, hazmat, as well as the active threat. So the next phase for us is to test those plans to make sure they work and then you know, update and make changes as necessary. And our approach in that is to just test key portions of the plan on a periodic basis rather than trying to execute an entire plan review at one time. So what that approach allows us to do is smaller chunks, smaller exercises, focus more with our key teams, and over the course of a year or so, be able to then step through the entire plan. Now, not only that, but at our corporate level, we have a business resiliency executive on board who is defining and implementing the business resilience or continuity processes across our new company. Now, business resilience and continuity address all potential risks and vulnerabilities to our company, whether they be geopolitical, the man-made, natural hazards, as well as all the emergency events that we were just talking about that are covered under crisis management. Fantastic. Well, this is definitely very helpful. I know a lot of companies out there just wonder what do big organizations do to keep the shift moving forward and keep it safe. So it's been fantastic. And we like to end by giving our audience a best practice or some kind of practical tip that they can immediately implement to make an impact on their organization. So in your mind, what advice do you have for the audience to help improve their company's crisis management or preparedness plans? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll grab on what you just mentioned a few minutes ago about muscle memory. So what I will say is you want to maximize the collaboration in the planning process, including all of those key players who you expect to implement that plan because it promotes the collaborative execution of the plan in that crisis. It builds that muscle memory that you were talking about. I'll also add this, that we have to always remember that protecting our people should be our first priority. Facilities and equipment are very important to be sure, but our people should come first. 
without a doubt. All that stuff can be replaced, but people cannot. So Absolutely. yeah, fantastic advice. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time and expertise. And Peter, I thank you for the opportunity. It's been great uh, spending a few minutes just chatting with you. Excellent. Well, if anyone listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you out there, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, they can send me an email and it's john.brooker, J-O-H-N dot B-R-O-O-K-E-R at l 3 Harris. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.